Good morning. For my lesson, I've got some uh, great news to share. First is to say welcome to Donald and Adrian Taylor and their son Gabe. Y'all mind standing where you are and kind of give us a wave and I'll share a little bit about them. Uh, Donald tells me they've been together for about 10 years. Uh, he is a fleet mechanic and uh, travels all over the region taking care of his company's vehicles. Adrian is the office manager. Gabe is four years old. And so get to know this family as they try to get to know all of us and make them feel welcome. Uh, more great news, uh, got word yesterday Jacob Fleener was baptized. Uh, many of you know the Fleener family, uh, uh, Jacob, Caitlin, uh, Jack, and uh, uh, Graham have been worshiping with us, I think ever since they moved to our area about a year ago. And so we are so grateful um, for that good news. Uh, look in the bulletin, a lot of good things going on. We'll share more before we end today about our small group Bible school, uh, small group Bible studies uh, kicking off. Uh, Chris will have more details at the end. But also note this, grief share is listed in there. We do this from time to time, at least try to do that once a year. Uh, I've been asked to kind of call your attention to that this year. It's going to start Tuesday mornings is when they're going to meet, and that's different. Uh, and maybe better. And so we're going to see that. But this is where you can help pray for that. It's a, a wonderful way to truly help and bless those who are hurting. There may be somebody you know, it could be a neighbor, it could be somebody at work, it could be somebody in your family uh, who needs this. You may not need it, but you may know someone who does. And so share, share the, the news on that. <clears throat> you know, as part of our restoration movement, the Church of Christ has tried, I think, in a wonderful way to do things the way the Bible says, and, and I love that. Uh, but what I've come to understand is sometimes we're, we're not consistent with every single passage in Scripture. We want to be, and one of those is, and if you looked on the outline, you know where I'm going, it's the holy kiss. The Bible talks about the holy kiss. Maybe you heard about the college student who was getting a Bible degree, and he is, you know, kind of learning. you got to have a book, chapter, and verse for everything you do. And so he was trying to make that his mantra for his life, and that was working well until he became smitten with this beautiful young lady. And so they were dating, and, and they were spending time together, and, and it became awkward, though. At the end of their time, their date, he would walk her back to the dorm, and he so much wanted to kiss her. But he couldn't find a book, chapter, and verse. And so it always just ended with an awkward hug, and that was it. Finally, he found the verse. Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy kiss. I found it, he thought. And then he studied more and realized that's not really talking about a romantic kind of setting. And so he just kind of continued. But wasn't that all that changed? He walked her back to the dorm, and when he was trying to say goodbye, that awkward sideways hug, she just reached him, grabbed him by the back of the collar, pulled him in, and planted the biggest kiss on him. And, and he couldn't come up until he was gasping for air. And all he could say was, but, but wait, wait, book, chapter, and verse, book, chapter, and verse. And she was ready for him. She said, Matthew 7, 12. As you would have others to do unto you, do so also to them. <laughs> what does it mean to greet one another with a holy kiss? That's what the Bible says. Look on the screen. It's on your outline as well. Four times we see this in Scripture. 
Actually, five times, if you, uh, the way it's listed here. Greet one another with a holy kiss, Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Corinthians 13. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss, 1 Thessalonians 5. So you got different letters. Paul uses that same statement or similar statement. And then Peter wrote, greet one another with a kiss of love. So the first century Christians made a big deal about greeting other Christians. So maybe we should too. Some will say the holy kiss was just a cultural practice, and and there's some substance to that. But even if the holy kiss was their culture, that's the way they greeted one another, does it not communicate a universal principle for all people and all time? So what would that mean for us? I put on your outline, as Christians, we should welcome any chance we get to kiss the bride. You know, the church is the bride, right? She's the bride of Christ. Did you know the whole history of kissing the bride at a wedding ceremony, that wasn't always in there? Kissing, actually, I looked this up, has a historical element based in ancient Rome. This kissing of the bride in this way is more transactional than romantic. So when we think of kissing of the bride, especially a wedding, we think, hey, this is the couple, but this kiss is actually more transactional. Neil Burton, M.D., said this, In the age of widespread illiteracy, kisses serve to seal agreements. You ever heard the phrase, seal with a kiss? That's what it's talking about. But what does the Bible mean here when it says to greet one another with a holy kiss? Or as Peter says, the kiss of love. One man told about a time where he was in Santiago, Chile, and he noticed how culturally their church was so different. He said when they had a start time, what that actually meant was a start to arrive time. And you've probably been at churches like that, especially in other cultures. And, and that's the way it was there. And, and so he said at that start to arrive time, the ones who came in that first wave, they would start worshiping and then, then others would come sort of in waves. And, and without missing a beat, they would just get up and greet them and kiss them and hug them and, and welcome them. And then they'd keep singing and another group would come in and they would do the same. He said it was a four-hour impromptu where people were just kept coming they stayed for hours he said but I've never felt more welcome in my life what does it mean to welcome one another what does it mean to greet one another these people understood that greeting is important greeting to them was a part of worship that's who you are that's what you do that's how you respond and think about this no insignificant person has ever attended a church gathering But have you ever been at a church gathering and you were made to feel insignificant? Nobody talked to you? Nobody spoke? As if you were not there? Did you know research indicates that people make up their mind within the first 10 to 12 minutes of coming to a church if they'll ever come back? Think about that. First 10 to 12 minutes. I mean, you're barely in the singing, probably not even taking communion, haven't heard the first lesson And they've already decided, based on if anybody there seems to care, that you're there. It's just the way we think. It is the way we are. And by the way, the size of the congregation has nothing to do with it. A little church can be just as cold or as warm as a big church. And the size of the room doesn't make a difference. 
It is the size of the heart. I put this on the screen. Greeting is significant when you think people are significant. Greeting is significant when you think people are significant. As a Christian, greeting is something we do because we care. We care about people. We're followers of the one who's commanded us to love one another. And I hope as a follower of Jesus, you want to be, you want to become a greater greeter. Not necessarily someone who's assigned to be at a door or to say welcome, but just who you are. And all of us. Because I think we all need to grow in this. Here's what I'm going to do in our lesson today. You can open your Bibles to Romans 16. It's going to be on the screen. I want us to look at this section of Scripture. Because this is one of those portions of the Bible that if you're reading through the Bible, you tend to skim over, if not skip totally. Because it's a lot of names that we don't know. In fact, we might even wonder, why would the Holy Spirit inspire Paul to include this? What good is it for me to read these verses? Well, let's do just that. Look at Romans chapter 16, verses 1 through 16. I'm going to do my best to pronounce these names correctly, but their mothers are not here to correct me, so they won't know if I got it wrong. But look at verse 1. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincreae, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints, and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she's been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved, Apinetus, who was the first convert of Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who's worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and fellow prisoners, well known to the, they are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampelitus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanos, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachus. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Trufina and Trifosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, also his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, greet Phlegon and, and Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nerus, and his sister, Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Do you get the idea that Paul thinks greeting is important? Why do we think like that? And what are we supposed to respond to that? I want to make three observations just straight from Romans 16. So if you've got your Bible open, just leave it there. I want you to notice these things. Let's understand first, welcoming others means people are personally addressed. Welcoming others means people are personally addressed. In these 16 verses, Paul mentions 26 people by name. 26 people by name. It also lists 17 personal references or titles. 
Things like my beloved, my dear friend, she's been a mother to me. And Paul's not even been there yet. This is not where he had been and established the church. He spent two years with them. You read the commentaries, they'll tell you how they're tracking Paul's life and his journeys. He's not been to Rome at this point. But here's the point. You cannot know God if you do not care to know people. You cannot know God if you do not care to know people. Now, let me clarify some things as we kind of unpack this and talk about what this means. There are times, and we need to know this, there are times where getting to worship is just about all you can do. Can we just say that? There are times where you're in a phase, a moment, a situation where just getting here, it may be a health struggle where you're on some medicines or you're not resting well or you've got some pains or some other limitations. Maybe it's your age, you're you're feeble, you're weak. Maybe you need to be near the restroom and, and there's times where you can't, you just can't. Sometimes the demands of little children are just that. They're demanding. And they take every bit of energy you have just to get there, whenever you get there. Sometimes, emotionally, you're just not there. You're just going through difficulties. Maybe you've lost someone near to you. Maybe maybe there's family troubles that are taking a toll. You're just glad to come to worship and the idea of greeting is just not there. So let's acknowledge that there are times where you're just doing good to come to worship. I know that. You know that. I believe God knows that. We all understand those times. But that's not what we're talking about here. I want to share this. If you view worship as something that you can just slip into late and then leave early, slip out the door, you have reduced the church to something that God never intended that Jesus never wanted for his people. And I want you to know you're missing something. You're missing something big. And I want you to be challenged by this message today. The Bible teaches that Christians should be strangers in the world, but nobody should be treated as a stranger in church. It is every Christian's role to greet one another. All of us. No matter your age, no matter your gender, no matter how long you've been here, all of us are greeters in this way. Worship is not about you just sliding in, punching in your ticket, and then sliding out because you got things to do. That's not what we're talking about here. Worship is about communing together. It's about sharing life as well as sharing faith. It's about being people together. See, if someone were to ask, what is the church at West 7th like? Some of the answers that we might give might describe maybe our facility, our location. Well, we're a downtown church. I've said that before. Uh, Maybe we talk about uh, the architecture in that way. Or maybe our size, you know, we're a medium-sized church. Or some might consider us a large church. Maybe talk about some of the things that we offer, different programs or ministries. Some might say, well, we're kind of traditional in our worship style. You know, we're fairly traditional, but we try to sing some new songs. All that might be helpful, and a lot of that may be true in describing us, but if that's all there is to the church, architecture, and programs, and song preference, I want you to know you've got a very limited view of church, and I'd say a very shallow view of church. And it's nothing the way Paul would describe the bride of Christ. What if we describe the church by describing the people? Because that's really what the church is, right? And we say that all the time, 
in one way, but then sometimes we revert to some of the other ways. I had lunch this week with a young man who just relocated his family from California, and he was getting to know what it means to live in Middle Tennessee. And so I was inviting him to worship and trying to describe West 7th, and I thought, well, the people are great, but the preaching so-so. Just, just come and, and check it out. I remember one day it hit me, and I was talking with somebody about this. I said, you know, if I was not preaching, and she and I lived in Columbia, Tennessee, we would worship at West 7th, because we love these people. It's the people. It's always the people. When I think about West 7th, I think about how proud I am. You know, we just sent our interns that served us back home but do you remember we had four of our young people, Molly Kofer, Libby Love, Dylan Bennett, Todd Beasley, who spent their summers pouring into the lives of other young people. When I think of West 7th, I think of Jade Anderson and Ramona Ward, who coordinate an army of women providing food for others in time of need. I think of Delana Lawrence, who's constantly doing good, encouraging, smiling. I think of Bo Berm, doing good, nobody knows about, always doing good. Chris and Heather Carroll, have they not taught us what it means to love the least of these? I think of Mary Nell Criswell, though she's losing her physical sight, spiritually sees so much more than the rest of us. I think of Mike Forstoff, constantly looking for ways to serve others, saying, come on, come on, come on. I think of Glenn Stone, one of the most positive people I've ever seen undergoing incredible cancer treatments. Think about David and Amy Hendrickson pouring into our young marriage class. What a wonderful group of young people. I think of Elena Evans. How do you describe Elena Evans? Just joy, joy personified. Think of Mark Marshall. Mark going through incredible loss with faith steadfastness, always here, always smiling. Think about Troy and Lori Rupert. You know, seven years ago, they buried their grandson, and now they've been blessed with a granddaughter. Not, well, there's a lot going on there. Had surgery Friday. Think, oh, what joy. I think about those struggling with divorce they did not want. Think about those fighting a disease and still not sure of the outcome. I think about our young ones. I think about our teenagers. I think about Faith Farm. I think about our preschoolers learning to love Jesus. I think about our babies in our nursery being loved so well. I think about the bright future. Folks, that's the church. That's who we are. We're not perfect. We've got problems. But through Jesus, we're one. Through Jesus, we forgive. We're forgiven. We love one another. And all these people are to be greeted personally, all of us. Not just the people of position, not the people who've been here a long time, not just the newbie, all of us. See, Satan calls you by your weakness, and he's good at that because he knows. He knows your sin, and so he'll call you a liar. He'll call you a cheat. He'll call you an adulterer. He'll call you uh, selfless. He'll call you by your sin. But God calls you by your name. God calls you His. But you can't do that if you're habitually arriving late. You can't do that if you're sneaking out early and you never even dart into a Bible class and, and connect with others. You're not loving people. 
and you're not allowing others to love you. See, I believe that we underestimate the power of the Holy Spirit working in us when you and I can just greet one another and in that moment intentionally communicate worth, value, and love. You know, when you're kind and welcoming to anyone in the body of Christ, you're doing that to Jesus. Remember reading that in Scripture? He talked about Matthew 10, about giving the, the little ones just a cup of cold water. You're not going to lose your reward. He notices. He sees that. But more specifically, in Matthew 25, he says, Truly I say to you, as you did it. Remember what the it was? It's visiting sick. Visiting those in prison. It's providing food. It's welcoming the stranger. Whenever you, as you did it to one of the least of these brothers, you did it to me. When you learn someone's name, when you speak someone's name, you're honoring the name of Jesus when you do that. And when you go out of your way to greet someone, you're communicating worth to them, and God takes note. Well, here's another observation. Number two, welcoming others means differences are not stressed. I want you to see this. Differences are not stressed. In these 16 verses, Paul mentions gender, race, status, socioeconomic differences. Ten of these names are women. That was not norm in that society to mention these women, but it was for Jesus and it was for Paul, and it should be for us as well. Jews and Gentiles are both listed. That was unheard of. Some opened their houses for the church to meet in. Some were slaves. Some had just been released from jail. But ten different times, he doesn't just mention their circumstance or, or those. He mentions oneness in Christ, in Jesus, in the Lord. I put this on the screen. Paul's focus was not on their diversity, but their identity. They were all in Jesus. And that's what he says again and again and again. And here's the challenge for us. If you, you, if you see yourself first by your gender or by your race or by your occupation or by your school or by your marital status or, or by your whatever, instead of seeing yourself first as a follower of Jesus, what you are doing is you're opening the door for Satan to take you down with that. Because you don't read that in Scripture. Satan loves to destroy unity by focusing on our difference. Our nation has been plagued with that like never before. And I don't know if it's worse or maybe just with all the media that, that we see that more. But again and again, the polarization is just dividing the church. And we can bring that to church with us. And we can be quick to make assumptions in the wrong way. One man told about years ago when he was in the youth group. He said there was a girl in the youth group who brought her boyfriend that she was dating from high school to church with her. He was not the clean-cut type. In fact, just the opposite. He was in a rock band. He had the look to go with it, the long hair, the clothing. You know what I'm talking about. But he came to church with her, came to all the youth group events, and he loved it. He loved being loved authentically and being accepted by others. He was learning the way of God. Well, one time he was at a church event, and he'd been over to pick something up, and of course his hair was just everywhere. And an older man walking by saw that and said, I wonder, and the boy heard this, I wonder if that's a boy or a girl under all that hair. The boy stood up, walked down the hall, got in his car, and never came back. I read that story and thought, that, that was years ago. 
we have all the more opportunities to be careful with our words and our wrong assumptions, to be careful with how we speak. What's different about the followers of Jesus is that we are not focused on our differences. And here's where it gets real. Because sometimes adults can be just like a teen or a child. Sometimes we talk about cliques. We think about teenagers. But teenagers learn it from their parents. And parents, we can do it too. So when you gather in a group, and we all do this, it's just a human condition. We tend to go to the people who are like us. Go to the friend, somebody you know, and talk to them. The one you know. But I put this on the screen. Do you go out of your way to greet those who are most unlike yourself? Do you go out of the way to greet those who are most unlike yourself? So if you're a married couple, just speak some, someone who's not married. If you're a CA student or parent, to speak to someone who maybe attends a different school. If you're the 70-year-old, to speak to someone who's a 30-year-old. So whether you're 15 or 90, here's a question. Have you matured? Have you matured to the point that you see people? And not necessarily the differences. Well, one more. Number three, welcoming others means love is tangibly expressed. Welcoming others means love is tangibly expressed. You don't wait for others. You don't wait for a church program. You see yourself. This is your calling to greet one another. So how do I do it? You do it the way you do it. You find some tangible way to communicate worth and affection. Look on the screen, Romans 12, verse 10. Paul wrote this. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's chapter 12. Then four chapters later, as he's closing out the book, Paul follows his own counsel. And he lists servant of the church. They risked their necks for my life. They worked hard in the Lord. They're well known to the apostles, approved in Christ. My beloved, she's been a mother to me. See what he's doing with each of these? He's not just name dropping, listing names that we can't pronounce. We don't know. We don't care who they are. But in every one of these, he's speaking value and worth to them. He's acknowledging their significance. In a way, you could say he's verbally kissing these people. Paul never missed a chance to build someone up, and neither should we. So I put on the screen a challenge. Ask God to give you increased insight of how to intentionally communicate worth to other people. Isn't that what we're talking about? This is not about looking across the room and giving a nod like you know they're there. This is personally speaking to them, calling them by name, tangibly expressing their worth. By the way, you may want to start with your own family. Let me close with this. Before the days of emails, a minister received a letter from someone at church. The man was older, a widower, always been very active in the church. So this minister was very surprised when he was reading what the man stated. He said he stopped attending his church, and now he said, I'm going to AA meetings. And the minister was shocked because he never suspected a drinking problem, and that's often the case. Sometimes, you know, even close family doesn't know but the letter continued don't jump to conclusions I don't have trouble with alcohol I don't even drink but I go there because I always feel so wanted when I go I just needed to find a place where I felt welcome 
Here's my guess. My guess is that church loved that old man. He was rock solid, been there. You could count on him. They just never told him. They never communicated that. They never helped him to feel his, wor- his worth, his value. And then one day they noticed he wasn't there and wonder what happened. I've done that. You've done that. We've all done that. I think they cared, but they didn't care enough to say so. That's what God is calling us to do here. I think most of us care more than we say. So let's, let's take this warning, this heat. Let's greet one another. Let's speak worth. Let's call them by name. Let's tangibly express it. And remember, when you honor others, you're honoring Jesus. I think some of the most impactful ministry happens, not when a song leader is leading us in a, in a song, or, or, or really or the, the minister saying anything or anything from the stage. Sometimes some of the most impactful Ministry happens in the parking lot, in the aisles, in the hallways. When you connect with someone and you talk with them, you say, how you doing? And they may say, fine, and you look and, oh, that sounds mighty hollow. And you say, tell me. And you might even skip class because you're praying over in the corner. So I'm not telling you to skip class. Some of you may be doing that and you need to get over it and start going to class. But you know what I'm talking about here. This is what it means when we gather together. Yeah, when we're worshiping, we're all participating. But folks, church starts in the parking lot. Church is in the aisles. Church is in coffee time. Church is Monday through Sunday. That's what the family of God is about. Let me close with one last verse, and you've heard this verse several times in this series. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wouldn't it be great if someone were to say, what's the church at West 7th like? And what was shared is about the love of Jesus. And when people walk into one of our gatherings, they see that. They see Him. They sense that. And they know our only hope is Him. Our song of invitation is to encourage you to follow the example of Jacob and JT and Luke and others we've talked about recently being baptized. To name the name of Jesus. Confess that He's the Son of God. Let him wash you clean in baptism. Give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or if we can pray for you as a church family to encourage you, to help you in any way, won't you come as we stand and sing? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift his countenance upon you.